Welcome to episode 22 of the Universe Extended Mando Season 3, Episode 1, baby. We're back, and we are going to be talking some Mandalorian. This is your spoiler <clears throat> announcement. If you have not seen Mando Season 1, or Season 2, or Season 3, now's your chance to exit the show. So we let Alex stay. We're going to see how this works because Alex <laughs> doesn't like Star Wars, I guess. He hates He said in the chat earlier, he's like, Star Wars is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of, and I think it should be completely banned from the universe. And I was like, hold on. You got to join our show, baby. Just kidding. He didn't say that. What's worse is when he said that Captain Kirk was the better Jedi. Oh, oh my God. God. We all know it's Captain Sisko. Captain, see who's Captain Sisko? <laughs> he's the best. Captain. Okay. All right. Um... <laughs> You hate it so much you called it Star Trek. That is very true, actually. Um, it's very true. Um, hey, but, Star Wars is like the third best star behind Track and Gate, okay? Wow. Mm, wow. I We might have to just kick you now. Oh, my God. Band. Band. Like, wow. <laughs> somebody, somebody likes, are you trying to, are you secretly trying to steal views for your podcast, Alex? Is that what's happening? No, oh, I forgot to pimp that out. Damn it. Oh, well. I know. We, we all forgot it. It's because I think you just joined our show. You know, that's how that works. Mm. All right. Anyway, we are going to be talking about Mando Season 3. That is what we'll be talking about. So this is your spoiler alert. If you do not know or have not watched Season or Episode 1 of Season 3, please walk out so we don't ruin the show for you because I think it's so good that I don't want to see you, you know, ruin the show. With that being said, JJ watched it this week before I did, actually, um, which I thought was a little surprising, but not too surprising, yeah, right? right? Yeah. So, JJ, what was your first thoughts? Uh, first off, that intro, right? When it first started going on, like for a second, I wasn't paying attention to like like the intro, right? Because obviously they have the whole intro sequence where they flash all the different characters and droids and stuff like that. And then I hear hammering going on. And then for a hot second, I'm like, did I accidentally like put on Iron Man? Like, what the hell? And sure enough, you know, you see the armor, the, the Mandalorian armor, like hammering a piece of Beskar and like forging it from a solid plate into a Mandalorian helmet and I really really dug that piece of it um, just seeing how she forges that metal and she just you know adds all the different chemicals to get that reaction um, and to basically make that helmet for the foundling that they're they're introducing into it and for a hot second I thought we had gone back in time to see when they first made it for Din, um, only to realize that this was actually in the present with you know all the remnants of the Mandalorians there for that uh, for their cult, and they're inducting a new um, foundling into their clan for um, for the ceremony. Um, that was uh, that was actually pretty interesting to see. Uh, we did see the return of Paz Vizsla um, carrying his heavy Gatling gun, uh, which I love by the way, uh, really cool. And um, and seeing that procession, how they they make him do the oath, the Mandalorian oath, for um, for their clan, and then all of a sudden we get that interruption from 
um, Jurassic World, basically, <laughs> where we had that giant gator turtle um, come in and interrupt. Um, man, that was a hell of a scene. Uh, definitely seeing all the Mandalorians fight and um, and try to use their tools to take it down. That was um, <clears throat> that was definitely visually it was it was pretty cool just seeing how they animated that. So, I thought well, this is what I didn't understand. If you look at the cave, the cave is not big enough for that turtle to go into. Yet everybody wanted to fight the fucking turtle. Why not just fly into the cave, grab the kids, fly into the cave, regroup, make an assault? Did not understand why they were all standing out there shooting. It It doesn't even work. They're shooting it with guns that don't work. They like actually thought they could do something to this turtle. And I'm sitting here going, this is like the crates dragon scene all over again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like you're like, yup, the only it's only one person that can do anything for it, which is fine. It's okay. One person. But for Christ's sake, here we have like we're watching them murder these Mandalorians. It's a stupid turtle thing. And you're like, just retreat. Just retreat for a little bit. You could regroup, maybe get some bombs, maybe get, I don't know, something cool. But it so was I actually was crazy. I actually wonder because you know, I went back and actually saw that scene again. The only person that they show dying was the guy that that uh, assumed that is that was the guy that got swallowed by the gator. But I wonder if Boba Fett freaking survives being sucked in by the Sarlacc pit. I'm sure that guy could have survived, right? He had his best heart <laughs> arm on. All right, fair enough. Man. Fair, fair enough. Maybe that's the case where they survive because they go in there and they know that. But the one guy, I swear to God, got like chomped in half. It's Disney, so they don't show all that. But there's a guy that got stuck in the turtle's jaws. It's just a scratch. It's just a scratch. Just a scratch. I mean, anyway, so that felt like a silly plot point to me, but obviously it was set up for the next scene, which Mando swoops in to basically say, hey, hold on, guys. I really want to be part of your uh, clan here. I want my to be able to ask for forgiveness. And this is after, like, he basically fought to the death with, with um, <clears throat> you know, the armor. What? Yeah. Paz Vizsla. Yeah. Like he literally almost fought them to the death and then refuses to kill anybody and then leaves. And then all of a sudden here he does. He dares show back up to say, all right, guys, I know we had our differences, but I want you to give me something to, you know, to, to survive on. But he comes in guns a blazing, which if we ever get that ship in X-Wing for Christ's sake, that thing must have like five attack die or like a cannon. That's like a five dice cannon or something insanely crazy. Because he starts blowing holes in this turtle, and of course they, you know, they win. <clears throat> okay, so here's the thing. I think that he actually shot proton torpedoes into that thing, and it took four torpedoes to kill that monster. All right, maybe that's what it was. I thought it was a cannon, but you could be right. Could have been a torpedo. Because there, there were big glowing orbs, and they were like kind of bluish, like the head of the warhead yep. would be as is about to implode or explode. So like, and it was different from the blaster fire, right? Because you see like the the green like ion blast going into it as he's like making a strafing run. But that initial blast was definitely proton torpedoes. I'm like, man, they're freaking fighting a decimator with like Mandalorian commandos out there. Yeah, which is I mean, some like I said, some of that is just crazy aspect to it, right? You know, like, but again, it it just so it obviously it was set up to. Bring the Mando in, let people cheer, kind of give him, you know, like say, hey, guys, I, I I took my helmet off. But like, for Christ's sake, you know, like, is this really the end of the world? Because like, we understand that they take that super personally. 
but there isn't like a whole bunch of big lore into why. Like, how do they eat? They got to take their helmet off to eat, right? Like, it's a thing. And if you remember, if we go back to season one, Mando does take his helmet off to eat in private. He does do that, but in front of Grogu. So, like, in fairness, he does it in front of Grogu, like, way back in season one. Yeah, I don't know. That's true. So, I, I, the cultist thing has always been a weird, like, past thing for me. I never understood it. But, again, you know, right in this world where that's all these people have left to cling on to, it's, it's their religion for them. You know, it's their ability to say, hey, we really want this or we really need this. Um, and obviously it's a big contention with Bo-Katan from season two. Like we know that there's a contention between, you know, the Mandos, like there's two Mando clans, you know? Um, so let's fast forward yeah. a little bit. And so we get, uh, we get that, that conversation between the armorer and Mando, uh, Mando showing that he received a piece uh, from, uh, or like a, a, a fragment of Mandalore from a Taurus that had stopped by and managed to pick it up and, traded through Jawas and that's how it came into his position or his possession rather um, showing that um, there's a possibility that the stories that they were told that Mandalore was essentially cursed or at least poisoned by the Empire uh, was not necessarily true um, and this kind of gives Mando the the motivation to go into it uh, to Mandalore to investigate the claims um, and which leads him to go back to Navarro, where it all started, right? Uh, what the whole story is. Now we get a great shot of, um, uh, you know, him approaching Navarro, and right off the bat, you could see the huge difference that um, that Navarro has gone through. It used to be like a backwater planet uh, with like really like crummy slums and stuff uh, under the control of the Empire. Now that the Empire has been chased away. Uh, from from the planet now it's a thriving like metropolis uh, under the the hand of grief Karga who's there to help elevate that planet I mean you see that chef droid and uh, like chopping up stuff in the streets and stuff that, that was, was awesome in book of boba yeah exactly um we get to see you know the Co the Korean monkeys which originally you know they were kept as food that they were roasting and now they're just like oh like freely in the trees and stuff and there's just so many changes of life that they 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 did that they showed while they're walking through the streets and stuff and probably my my biggest surprise was when he gets to grief cargas um as he's approaching his mansion he sees the statue of ig um ig 11 um we, you know he had him standing up with his gun up and stuff that's like a tribute to his contributions from season one um, I thought that was actually kind of cool, like seeing them actually recognizing a droid as a hero, which is something that we haven't seen in Star Wars before. Yeah, that was really neat to see that because of what he did, obviously they're 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 giving him that award, right? They're giving him that stature. They're giving him that thing. And, and he wasn't even that big of a part of the story to some extent, right? Like he just is the droid that sacrificed himself. Um so I, I agree with you. I, I think for me, the biggest weird standout of that one was much more the um, weird fact of how Grief had rolly droids holding up his stupid little um, like thing. <laughs> yeah, it was like, the what are you? Service droids like, holding his cape. Yeah. Like, come on. You, you were pretending to be Lando now? Seriously? 
Like that's what yeah, this exactly. Is. That's exactly what I felt. I'm like, wow, this guy is uh, trying to one up Lando by having service droids lift up his cape as he's walking around and stuff. It's freaking hilarious. Yeah, which again is fine. It, it, like you said, it, it is what it is, right? It, it's not the end of the world. It's just it was a weird tangenty one off type thing. I mean, um, he is a high magistrate now. Right? Yeah, I don't care. Like again, <laughs> I I think all that stuff is, is stupid. All these title type things, and it's like. Like, I almost feel like hey, they're setting him up for something that we don't want to know about that's going to happen later on. Um, I feel like there's going to be a setup and grief is going to become a bad guy, which could be good, right? Because maybe we'll get him in a different yeah. faction. Um, but that's what it kind of feels like is there's going to be a little bit of a contriving because he did so well in changing his stripes. And now it kind of feels like he's letting that power go back to his head. But <clears throat> while they're having a discussion... You know, they go back to the office, they have a discussion. Mando, you know, essentially says, I have a new a new pilgrimage quest. I need to go on. Yeah, right? a new quest, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which makes me feel like it's an RPG. Again, like, this is kind of cool. Like, we're getting RPG-ish. You know, like, he's got the little baby with him still. Grogu's a little bit more of a dick because he's stealing candy and twirling a chair oh. around and um, <laughs> eating everybody's candy. But, you know... It just was funny because, you know, all of a sudden now we're seeing him say, hey, I've got something else I got to do. But then you learn, oh, my quest is to basically cleanse myself. And it's like, oh, my God, why? Why are you cleansing yourself to become part of this call? Like, yeah, can't we just go cleanse the like, empire instead? Yeah. And grief is like, well, all the more reason for you not to go on your quest. He's like, don't go through all that. Just stay here. And I'm going to basically give you free land for you to live off. And you no longer have to go through all this trouble and stuff. And you have you're gonna live the easy life over here because you're gonna be here to help me out, and we're going to give you anything you want, basically. And Mando's like hard pass. Nope, gotta go on my quest. Yeah, it's almost like he's addicted to quests. It's it's like he is genuinely like a character out of an RPG that just cannot get enough of himself. It's like yeah. we've had that. We all have that one person, which is usually me, when we play RPGs, and like we're sitting there playing, and they're like, "All right, well, we only have to do this and that," and it's like. But if we go into the town, we could talk to the town's folks. Maybe they got side quests we can use to build ourselves up. Chris, we don't really need to do that. This is a guided game and blah, blah, blah. No, but I think it would be fun to be able to like be a conqueror. Chris, we're not going to do that. Well, I'm going to go talk to the innkeeper. Roll my dice real quick before anybody can say anything. The innkeeper says there's a quest for you. See, folks, I told you there's a quest. I'm Mando, I guess. There you go. That's weird. So fast forward a little bit. They go outside. He's trying to convince them. Basically, he says... Um. Uh. Basically, he says this, this, and that. And guess who show up? Pirates show up. We get pirates. One of them that looks similar-ish to Cad Bane, and they call him Vane. And I was like, I don't yeah, know if this exactly. is a fuck up, you know, like on their behalf, or if this yeah. is like on purpose. But it feels like we're getting this weird throwback. And then I was like, fuck, are we gonna see Cad Bane again? No, for a hot second, I actually thought this was Hondo Onaka's old crew for a second. Oh, um, because they kind of yeah. had the same, like, garbs and, like, his colors and stuff. And I'm like, I know, you know, um, I know that Hondo technically is alive well into the the beginning of the resistance and stuff. So I was like, huh, I'm like, did he have another crew that he had a tango in? Because I thought that he would come back for a hot second only to find out that there's this new Pirate King Gorian that's in town and he apparently is very well known in the outer rim 
um, as of late for, I guess, the activity that um, that he's been doing. And it's established that he helped Grief Karga um, basically kick out the Empire uh, from his system uh, to, to basically take over control of Navarro. Yep, so they have a showdown. Grief fights, Mando fights, they kill everybody but one. They say, we'll get you, and Mando's like, whatever, I don't care. And then they decide they're going to build the IG droid. Mando thought it was a good idea to rebuild the IG-11. Um, And if you know... Do you know why, though, right? Well, he wants it because it's the only droid he trusts. He doesn't trust any other droid. Well, that's that's not the only thing. So if you go back to... And and I I didn't get that person, so I went back and kind of like rewatched a little bit of of his interactions with Bo. When they're talking about that, the land is poison and stuff like that, I'm like, okay, so it must be poisonous to to obviously, you know, creatures, right? But if he has something that he can send in in case it is actually poisoned to go get the waters, like a droid, for instance, to go do that for him, he can still accomplish his task without risking the life of Grogu or himself from ingesting that poison. But he has to bathe in the thing. He has to bathe in it. He can't just like... So he gets a large tub. Oh, my God. (laughs) All right, you're reaching here, buddy. That's a reach. I think he wants it because I think he wants the droid because I think he wants to be able to leave Grogu with a droid he trusts. That would be more of my theory is it did a good job protecting Grogu before until he blew up. Um, <laughs> Only to find out that when they restart, oh, by the way, for a person who's very drone at or droid at first, he was really, <laughs> really good, good at, at, back together. at bringing him back to life. I'm like, wow. And, and single-handedly, by the way, um, he was the only person there, like, were actively working on IG88. And from what I guess, in the span of like less than an hour, he got him restarted from his destruction. And uh, then he turned uh, IG turns into the Terminator for a hot second, uh, which is <laughs> actually quite hilarious to me. Um, they break him and then they bring him down to a group of the best mechanics that they had there in order to try to rebuild him, which is where we find uh, the little race of, uh, of little engineers there that we saw originally from episode nine, um, the same race as Bob and Frigg. I can't remember the name of the race for now. Um, and we, we get a little bit of a, a funny um, lost in translation moments where Mando, obviously they're clearly seeking broken, broken. And Mando's like, uh, do you speak Hutties? And, like, and having that, that kind of like interaction between grief acting as his translator for these guys that are telling him that, you know, IG is broken and Mando offering to get the, a new memory chip for IG so that way they can forward repair him. So now we have an added quest now for Mando uh, to get that chip in order for him to have a fully functioning IG. Yeah. Then what does Mando do? Mando leaves, right, and gets in a fight with a bunch of space pirates. And so I'm going to tell you two two things. I'm going to say a positive thing, a negative thing, and then a positive thing again. The positive thing is that was an amazing-looking ship. I can't remember what I called it, but it looks almost identical to whatever ship I told you, JJ. Um, this Eclipse class Star Destroyer. Yes, an Eclipse class Star Destroyer. It looks very much like that, which in turn reminds me and makes me think that that would be really cool in Armada or really cool in X-Wing, but we'll probably never get it. 
The negative thing I'm going to say is, why the fuck do I have a fraggle trash monster that is like a cross between the trash monster and a cross between like the the um the guy from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean? It's almost like they literally just Davy wanted Jones. to redo that. Like, what the fuck? Who who thought this was a good idea for this? Like, I literally sat there. I was like, did did, did we just fall into a, a a kids TV show all of a sudden? Like, why is trash monster? on the screen i literally I, I just i didn't understand it it no, you didn't even need to show us the damn pirate king for all i gave a fuck we knew it was there we knew what the ship was we knew he was getting so mando gets into the space battle and does these amazing maneuvers essentially hugs rocks blows all these ships up but one and then the guy leads him in and mando's like oh shit they're now gonna shoot me and then we see trash monster on screen and i just I just don't understand it. I don't, I just, I, I, I don't even have a positive thing to say after that, other than I'm happy he got away. And, but like, is okay. trash monster coming back? How much money did they invest in this? Is this like a new commitment? I'm, Disney I'm made? Positive he's going to be <clears throat> at least the new big bad, right? Because they have to, um, I'm guessing. Okay. So I, I'm going to speak now from the positive part of that, right? Because, we we saw the introduction of the N1 that Mando got last season, and now we actually get to see Mando fly the N1 in a battle, right? Um, the ships that were chasing him, they were a new ship that we haven't seen um, as of recently. They look very similar to the R4A uh, from the old TIE Fighters uh, game, um, but they weren't quite exactly that. Obviously, none of these were shielded, and... Um, and they seem to at least be able to keep up for a little bit with, with the N1. Uh, but as far as Mando, his ability to go around that asteroid belt and basically hide himself and then come in and take shots and flanking shots and basically take apart this entire squadron on his own makes me think that if Mando does come in the N1, he's not going to have the ability that he had with the Razor Crest. He might have something similar to maybe Han Solo or maybe a cloaking mechanic. As part of his pilot ability, that would I guess I could see that that that, that kind of makes sense because <coughs> the amount or maybe he cloaks himself when he's by by the asteroids, like fly next to an asteroid, be within range one of an asteroid, uh, that would be dumb. Be at range zero of an asteroid. <laughs> Just kidding. Be at range one of an asteroid and and like you get a free cloak token or something crazy. He was like definitely that. range zero of one of those asteroids because he comes in like through the heart of an asteroid to like take them out like that was that was really close maneuvering there on an asteroid yeah it, it was like it was different i mean and again i'm here for it right like i'm here for us to have any cool things that we can with it yeah exactly so finally after uh that scene uh we trash monster scene after the trash monster scene, uh, we see Mando finally make it out over to um, to another Mandalorian-controlled planet, and we get to see Castle Kreez, uh, which uh, I think we've only seen once from Clone Wars, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the first time we ever saw that with the team. And um, as he goes into the hall, um, we see uh, Bo-Katan sitting by herself on the throne. Um, definitely very, very reminiscent to... Um, like the throne room that they had on Mandalore proper, uh, where Satine used to be. Um, and she's just sitting pretty disheveled. She's like down and depressed. And 
Mando's like, I'm here to join your cause. And she tells him, well, you know, I returned here without the Darksaber and everybody said, peace out. And he asked what happened to the fleet that you guys got, you know, from the end of season two. And they said, well, they basically took it, they left, and now they're mercenaries going around. Which, on a side note, I'm like, man, can you imagine now Empire ships being part of scum? No. Like being flowed by Mandalorians? No. <laughs> stop it. We got we got Rook Castle running around in a tire reaper or like <laughs> You're banned from X Wing, JJ. <laughs> Thank God you aren't on the developer scene. So yeah, so that scene actually felt a little weird to me and a little out of place. <clears throat> and, and, and it's funny because you don't see any servants, but somehow Bo knew somebody was coming and she goes and sits on the throne. Like, like it, that, that was hilarious to me too. Is like, here she is just sitting on the throne all by herself, pissed off. It reminded me of Maul, like her composure. Like if you go back to the Clone yes. Wars series, yeah. the way Maul sat on that throne, very much so how she was sitting on that throne. And then I was like, man, it, maybe this is Maul and not really Bo-Katan. Maybe this is like Maul in disguise. Maybe Maul somehow comes back again. And we just like don't know it um, using his Please Sith not. power. <laughs> but it was a little weird. <clears throat> and yeah, like I'm not surprised they all took off. That makes sense, right? All of that that piece of it makes sense. Um, she didn't, her not going doesn't make as much sense because it's like, well, what else do you have left to do? Are you are you waiting specifically here for Mando? Are you waiting here to just chive in? And like, why Mando doesn't take the dark saber and just slam it into the the concrete and say, "Fuck it, here you go," you know, go do what you want with it. Like all this, well, like I think, I think. Well, remember, remember at the end of season two, he did try to give her the dark saber, and she did not take it because the last time that happened, when Sabine gave her. Uh, the dark saber at, at towards uh, season four of Rebels. Spoiler alert! If anybody hasn't seen it, um, Too late. You know, she had the dark saber. Yeah, no, exactly. She had the dark saber, and from what we understand, Moff Gideon was the person who took it from her forcefully after she lost it. And because that happened to her, her legitimacy to rule over Mandalore was forever tainted, right? Because she never earned dark saber; she was just given the dark saber from Sabine. So she couldn't, and, and that's probably her whole, um, her whole reasoning for joining with Mando in hopes of beating, and uh, beating Moff Gideon in battle, so that way she can rightfully earn the dark saber. And she lost that ability or that chance once Mando actually beat Moff Gideon and earned the dark saber that way. Whether he did it intentionally or not, the fact is that she she missed her chance again at doing it. So. Her, her whole motivation to rally the people under her leadership is gone. And now she's a lost, a character who's lost, right? She has lost all her, um, all her motivation because she failed at getting, uh, at completing her objective in order to leave her people. And the people have noticed that and they basically abandoned her. And now she's just sitting there at an empty throne, which is very symbolic for her, right? She's sitting on an empty throne because nobody's willing to follow her as a leader because she never earned the right to be that leader. And in the Game of Thrones, she would have been murdered. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and I, I do find it funny, though, because, <clears throat> you know, Mando confronts her as like, well, what about your quest about going back into Mandalore and liberating it and getting it? And she basically throws the entire history 
in his face, which I kind of find a little hypocritical because she says, you know, your people with their factions, they splinter our group. And because of that, we lost Mandalorian. Where were you when all this was happening with the Empire, when they, they broke our planet, they broke our people and stuff? And when she's saying that, I'm like, uh, you were literally part of Death Watch and you made that happen. You were the, the lieutenant to freaking uh, Pre Vizsla. You made that happen. Like, I, I found that a little hypocritical of her, like, like lashing out at Mando that way. But I'm like, and he's like, still, you know, I'm I'm here at the Darksaber. I'm ready to go. And then she's like, good, go find the people. And maybe they'll go join you. And yeah. he, he basically leaves. And if you think about it, <clears throat> to some extent, Bo-Katan is almost like the armor, just on an opposite side. She Like, her whole biblical stance of I lost the dark saber I'm no longer allowed to you know rule I'm no longer allowed to reunite I need my redemption blah 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 is the same thing that the armor the Sansi armor is and here we are in like a post-apocalyptic world to some extent right like a world after the empire after the destruction after remnants after the the hell of you know everything been going through it almost feels like her beliefs in anti-leniency is identical to the armor's and maybe that'll change. And, and and to me, hopefully we get like a somewhat redemption arc. Maybe she shows up and helps Mando. Maybe she calls people. Um, you know, I, I was surprised she was not more convinced of going and taking back Mandalore. I mean, Mando's like, hey, let's just fucking go, baby. Like, come on. Like, I don't know what your problem is. And she's like, no, it's done. And it's like, all right, I already told one person it's not done. Do I got to tell two people? Seriously? I don't know. Um. Anyway, I think that's that's most of what we wanted to cover um, today. Very excited. We will be back next week to talk about it. Um, maybe we'll jump on Sunday night real late after I get back from my concert. I don't know. We'll see. But before we go, I do want to bring up uh, a, a point of contention that I've been hearing throughout the community for it. Um, I've I've been hearing personally a lot of people like com- making comparison between Mando and Andor and how much they don't like the Mandalore now because of Andor. And it's different. The, the, and that's, that's kind of my point, right? Like people are saying that, you know, they feel like the character development is so much better in Andor and stuff and, and, stuff, and that they feel that, you know, Mando is very superficial in terms of like how they create the show. And I kind of want to talk about that a lot. I, I, I do agree with you, right? They're two very, very different shows. Um, Andor, you know, written extremely well, and I'm not going to take anything away from Andor. Andor was fantastic, but I think when you're comparing the the two shows directly, right, you got to compare the the timeline that they're in, what the stakes are for them, and how that affects on the characters, right? When you look at Andor, the series is right at the start of the birth of the rebellion, right? This is where. The, the pockets of rebellion are starting to pop up everywhere and Andor is kind of caught up in it and the stakes are that they're going to get found and the Empire is going to come and crush them. So there's that sense of urgency in that and we see that motivation behind all the character development behind that show, right? You've got the side in the Empire where these guys are trying to quash the, the rebellion and they are on a strict time limit, right? Because they want to stop any, any sparks of rebellion from spreading out further and the rebels are trying to get things done before the empire can stop them or find it out, right? Mando, there's none of that pressure, right? The empire is essentially defeated. Um, yeah, you've got the remnants of the empire that are stationed there in Navarro that we see, and the big bad for the first two seasons is Moff Gideon, uh, which they've, they've taken care of, but he is not the full empire. 
and he his his main motivation is basically Grogu. Um, the stakes doesn't get much higher for anybody else because they all have their own agendas for what they want to do, and it's it's intentionally wrote in that way because there's not that pressure that this is going to affect the entire galaxy, right? What happens in the story for Mando is more localized for those characters involved, not something that's going to affect the entire galaxy. And I think from that piece, totally different shows, totally different motivations. And I don't think that Mandalorian actually suffers in any quality at all or lost quality at all when you compare it to Andor because they're completely different shows. Well, I think the difference is, like you said, it's that driving force. Andor is to some extent pre-scripted. We know what happens before. We know what happens after. We know for the most part, to some extent, what happens in between. How they get in that in-between is all Mercury. And so, like, the their ability to do character development is a million times more necessary because of the fact that you have, <clears throat> you know, a specific set of contrived events and you have to fit and draw that attention. You have to build excitement in Mando. We don't have that on Mando. We have a, a totally new creation. I think that's where people get scared, right? Because that new creation makes people concerned about what that means <laughs> because we've had failures. And some people think they're failures. Other people don't in the, 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 the sequels, you know, right? People don't like the sequels as much. And they're worried Mando's going to end up into that garbage bin. And I'm on the opposite fence of that. I think Mando is designed to have a different story flow, to be a little bit more lighter, to be more of a Western. That's how I feel. And, and if you watch older Westerns, which if we want to be honest, that's what George Lucas originally designed a lot of what Star Wars was off of, right? Is a pseudo-style Western space romp. And... Mando brings that love back. And while I love Andor, and I think like if we have to rate what type of shows Tanner likes better, I like the Andor style better. But this new Mando brings back all that childlike wonder from the first time I ever got to see, you know, the Empire of the Rebellion go at it. But now I get more depth. Now I get more understanding. Um, and it's not just like these crazy, let's just throw people in X-Wings and blow up Death Stars type things. Though I guess he kind of blew up a turtle with Proton Torpedo. <laughs> so, I mean, similar-ish, I guess. Actually, very similar-ish. But, yes. but I feel the Western piece of it is what they were trying to do with like the Book of Boba. And that just, <laughs> it didn't work very well. And here we are back with saying, okay, well, let's bring back what we love. These stakes will get high again. I guarantee it in Mando. And if I remember right, I believe they, th I think they only are subscribed for four seasons. If I remember right, at least as of now, yeah, we only so. are going to get yeah, four, four seasons. seasons of Mando. So after this season, there's one more season. So they're building to something, <clears throat> which I would assume it may possibly could be a new movie. It possibly could be a whole nother set of TV shows that will follow after this. We don't know, but I feel they're building to something. And yeah, this, this, this episode is a little bit lighter in that aspect, but I think we need to understand that we don't need 12, 13 episodes of Mando to build all that character background character. We know Mando. We know grief. We know Bo-Katan to some extent. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe they could make a couple extra episodes and we do flashbacks of Bo, but is it going to commit to the, the end all of the story? I don't know. So, um, I'd be more interested in the dark saber piece, actually, personally. 
but that's just me. Yeah. So, and the other part that we kind of skipped over was the uh, the Purgle uh, making an appearance as well while they're in hyperspace. Got super excited for it. Still very hopeful for uh, the Ahsoka series to see Thrawn and Ezra and stuff. And now that they've you know firmly established the Purgle in live action, just I I kind of hope that when they go back and like do um do like a like a flashback um to like what happened to ezra and Thrawn that they um actually animate that part right see a purgle pulling a star destroyer into into hyperspace and see that in live action that would actually be fantastic if they could pull that off we'll see well thank you for joining us for our universe extended episode 22 about Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 1. We will be back next week, probably Monday night, talking more about Mandalorian. If you like this and you want to check out our show, we do a show every Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern or 2100 UTC. Um, no, nah, I'm sorry. 2100 Eastern, 0100 UTC. If you want to check out our X-Wing podcast. Thank you all. Have a good night, and we'll see you next week. See ya.